This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 14th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Stingrays are devices that allow police to trick your phone into connecting to the cops. And then the police can scoop up a wide variety of your data. And it often happens without state approval, and sometimes state lawmakers may not be aware. Adam Bates is author of the new Cato paper, Stingray, a new frontier in police surveillance. Even just a few years ago, we knew very little about what stingrays actually do. Uh, And police departments were loath to release pretty much any information about them, partially because of non-disclosure agreements that they had signed. What do stingrays do and how do state and local police make use of them? So a Stingray device is a surveillance device. It's what we call a cell site simulator. Uh, So what it does is it mimics the signal of a cell phone tower, and your cell phone is designed to connect to whichever tower is giving it the strongest signal at any given time. Uh, So what the Stingray does is it sends out a boosted signal that essentially muscles out the legitimate cell phone signals and forces phones in the area to connect to the device. Uh, Once the device is connected to your phone, uh, the the user of the Stingray has access to your, they can triangulate your physical location, they have access to your uh, individual subscriber ID identity number, they can see incoming and outgoing phone numbers, and with the right software, they can even take actual content off your phone, such as SMS text messages. To what extent have uh, advances in technology that is like end-to-end encryption and that sort of thing that you know Apple and uh, WhatsApp and various other programs have uh, made available stymied efforts to sur- surveil over some time period people uh, using a Stingray? Law enforcement agencies are still loath to reveal uh, the details of Stingray devices, so there's still a lot we don't know. Uh, And every law enforcement agency that's been found to use a Stingray device has said we're not taking content. Uh, So as far as the effect that end-to-end encryption might have, it could be effective at at limiting the the government's ability to take the content of of text messages, for instance, if you're using Signal or WhatsApp. Uh, But as far as actually tracking the location of your phone or seeing those incoming and outgoing Going uh, phone numbers, uh, end-to-end encryption on your text messages may not be uh, very much protection. But as I said, there's still so much we don't know. All right. So how was it revealed? How did we learn that police agencies were using these stingrays? So the way this these have been in use for quite a while in the federal uh, arsenal, especially abroad, uh, battlefields in the war on terror, uh, foreign countries in the war on drugs, where the constitutional concerns are are minimal. Uh, they started matriculating down into state and local law enforcement uh, armories uh, several years ago. But the way we've we've started to kind of figure this out is, uh, for instance, pol- uh, when wary defense attorneys. Uh, can't figure out how the police managed to find their client, for instance. Uh, And it turns out uh, they get the police officer on the stand, they ask how they found the client, and the the police officer starts saying things like, for national security reasons or for state secrets reasons, I can't really go into that. Uh, Judges don't like that. We don't don't like secret evidence in this country. Uh, So uh, that has kind of raised the red flag for people that there's something here. Uh, that has produced a lot of freedom of information litigation, and through that litigation and through KG defense attorneys you know, getting to the bottom of these things, that's really been the biggest source of, of information. And you would think if 
prosecutors aren't able to make cases because they introduce evidence and people ask them, well, where did you get this evidence? How did you acquire this evidence? And they're not able legally to uh, make a, a clear declaration of how they got this evidence. They're not going to be able to make cases. So that should raise red flags for uh, mayors. It should raise red flags for city councils and state lawmakers. Has it? Absolutely. And uh, it's actually a term of the non-disclosure agreement that, that your local law enforcement agency makes with the FBI when they procure the Stingray. That agreement gives the FBI the power to force your local prosecutor to drop a criminal case if it seems that the uh, information about the Stingray will come out. And that has actually happened. Prosecutors have dropped actual prosecutions of, of suspected violent criminals uh, in order to, to protect the secrecy of these devices. How is the use of these devices authorized by state statute, and, and is it? In many cases, it's not. In many cases, uh, especially because in in many cases, it's the state and local law enforcement uh, coordinating directly with the FBI, uh, with the federal government. Uh, the state legislature is not being involved in this process, uh, especially when the funding for the devices may come from federal terrorism grants like the Urban Area Security Initiative or from civil forfeiture revenues that just come straight to the law enforcement agency. Uh, quite often, uh, the legislature, the local Local legislature has been cut out of this process entirely, uh, and and many of them don't even know that their their law enforcement agencies are using these devices. Let alone, you know, put, putting forth legislation to try and regulate it. There is a long legal tradition in the United States that tells us that the federal government is not able to co-opt or compel state and local law enforcement to do its bidding. How does the use of stingrays and how does the relationship that these uh, local police agencies have with the FBI, how does that complicate that claim or that legal tradition? Well, so this is generally referred to as anti-commandeering. The, the federal government under the Constitution is not allowed to commandeer uh, state and local law enforcement. Here, though, we really have a case where the local law enforcement, they're not being compelled against their will uh, to engage in this behavior. They're willingly coming to turn these terms with the federal government. Uh, so it's not really a commandeering. And in many cases, they're working with joint federal task forces, especially when it comes to drug cases, which is you know the bulk of law enforcement in many jurisdictions. Uh, so you don't really have the federal government forcing anybody to do anything. It's more if you want access to these devices, these are the terms you have to meet. And one of those terms uh, happens to give the federal government uh, too much uh, invasive control over, over the criminal justice prosecutions in a jurisdiction. So if I'm a state lawmaker or if I'm a city council member and I want to be made aware and I want to <laughs> engage in oversight of a local police agency that may be uh, signing these kinds of deals with the FBI and the feds, what, what avenues are left to me? Well, ultimately, the regulation of, of state and local law enforcement falls to, to the state legislature. That is their prerogative. So I, the first step is, is figuring out whether this is going on. Uh, and then the next step after that is to put forth legislation, which has happened in, in some states like California, to actually protect the privacy of the citizens, to protect the integrity of cell phones in the absence of a warrant. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a warrant requirement that, that we would look for, and it's it's 
the first step is figuring out who all has these. Uh, according to the ACLU, uh, we know that at least 23 states have law enforcement agencies using these devices, but the other 27 states, we shouldn't assume they're not using them. We should just assume that we, we haven't found out about it yet. All right. So um, making clear then in statute what is required to uh engage in this kind of surveillance. Obviously, a warrant is, is a clear-cut, nice instrument that makes very clear what you are doing and you have the involvement of a judge. What else beyond that? Well, and since you mentioned the judge, this could come from, from the judicial system. This could come from the courts uh, as far as interpreting this as a violation of the Fourth Amendment uh, to be searching people's cell phones without any kind of, of judicial oversight. But it's, it's important to note that state legislatures don't have to wait for that. They can impose this requirement on, uh, on law enforcement agencies themselves. So I do think the warrant requirement is the first step. Uh, the next step would be, uh, as far as accountability, uh, going after after uh, the funding. So making sure that if law enforcement agencies are procuring this, this kind of high-tech surveillance equipment, uh, that the money for that is going through the proper channels, not the civil asset forfeiture fund, not uh, federal terrorism grants to try and hook the state legislature back into this oversight process, which they're supposed to be doing in the first place. Adam Bates is author of a new Cato paper, Stingray, A New Frontier in Police Surveillance. Subscribe to and rate this podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.